Praise the Lord for that. You know, the Bible says that if we won't praise Him, the rocks are going to cry out. We need to be praising the Lord. Amen today? I tell you what, what made America great is their belief and their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a Christian nation, if you listen to Charles Stanley this morning, he talked about a nation adrift and uh, how we need to repent as individuals and then as a nation. And I'm thinking about that as what humility would take for our political, religious, uh, political and religious leaders to repent that they have failed the God of heaven who's given us the wonderful country that we live in. But may we do so before it's too late. So as we come this morning and we celebrate these things uh, of our national heritage, we're going to uh, change our direction into the Sermon on the Mount. But, you know, I was thinking this morning the liberty that we've been given has been given by God and that we have been given liberty in the Lord Jesus Christ. When you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you were given great liberty. Uh, we're no longer under the law. Uh, the law is uh, not on top of us, all right? It's not what controls us. Uh, the law, we can stand on the law because God's laws are good. And we can stand on a firm foundation of what the Bible has in it. But yet we're not under the law. We're under grace. And by that, we are talking about being spirit-led. We've been dealing with this on Wednesday nights. And uh, I have a verse that uh, we've been using on Wednesday nights. It's Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For brethren, we have been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty for the occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. And so there's a great privilege in liberty that we have, the power that God gives to us the mighty power that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I thank the Lord for what we've heard this morning. I appreciate, Glenda, that presentation. I don't know how many times we've heard it here at Westside Baptist Church, but I'm always choked up by it. And I always wonder, how does Glenda get through it? I'm, I'm about ready to ball up there thinking of pride that we have in our men and women that have served in our country and what this is all about. So thank the Lord for that. Well, let's talk about our liberty and this morning and the idea of our treasures. How about that? Would you agree that America has a lot of treasures? Uh, to our benefit or for to our detriment? You know, it's sad. It can be for both. Isn't that right? Depends how you view your treasures. It depends what your philosophy is. It depends on what your treasures are. And so as we continue on now in this Sermon on the Mount, we're going to continue in this uh, study here. And uh, we're going to talking about our treasures. And this morning, I, as I read this portion of Scripture, this is not unfamiliar to us. Um, we uh, see in verse 19, as he continues on in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, he, has, he has talked about and started this, this section on the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 6, if we were to say that, on worshiping. Don't doing things for a show. Don't do things because of what people will think of us. And have we gotten that? Have we really understood what that means? I mean, we ought to be doing things because we love the Lord Jesus Christ and we are indebted to Him. All right? And so as we carry on that philosophy and that concept into these aspects of our treasures, I pray that the Lord will help us to build upon that foundation. That we don't do things for show. 
Now what we're going to do in this next section here, 19 actually through the end of the chapter, is back, uh, basically walking through two struggles in life. Two struggles in life. The first one, 19 through 24, which we're going to look at this morning, and that is dealing with the desires for earthly treasures, how we view our treasures, maybe the lust for these treasures. And then, Lord willing, in a couple of weeks, I say that in a couple of weeks because next Sunday, Randy Merrill will be with us. And I am looking forward to Brother Merrill being with us. He is our camp speaker for our junior week. And uh, because we have him coming for camp, we also get to enjoy him at our, at our church next Sunday. He'll be with us in both services. I hope we invite folks to be with us next Sunday. He's a wonderful evangelist. But uh, in two weeks, dealing with uh, anxiety. Anxiety. Um, I think a lot of us are anxious, and there's reasons why we're anxious, and we'll deal with that in a couple of weeks. It doesn't come down to rules. Uh, and what we're going to talk about this morning, I, I really want to sort out what sometimes is in people's minds as far as rules, but it is about a relationship with our Heavenly Father that we approach this aspect of our treasures. It's, it really comes down to love, doesn't it? I mean, it, 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 bottom line is how do we love the Lord? So in verse 6, 19, excuse me, chapter 6, verse 19, he says, Lay not up for yourselves <clears throat> treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. Maybe you remember <clears throat> I preached on this topic, actually, uh, back in November of 2015. And I called it uh, moths, mice, and mud diggers. You remember that? How many remember that? You probably more remember the title more than you remember the content, you know. Uh, moths, uh, mice, and mud diggers. And that's what this is, is about here uh, in, in eating up uh, the things of our lives. And, and truly, our things can be a blessing to us or they can eat us up. We can get concerned and worry. And that's actually what brings the anxiety in when we put our trust in our treasures or wonder about our treasures. But he says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moths or those mice corrupt. And that word uh, rust is talking about eaters. And where thieves, the mud diggers, they dig down and they find your gold because you buried it someplace. Uh, and uh, we'll talk about that. You remember a passage where a man buried his treasures. You all remember that passage? Didn't use what God gave him. How did God respond to him? Not favorably, would you agree? God wants us to use what he gives to us. So, <clears throat> where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moths and rods corrupt. Thieves don't break through or steal. And then in verse 21, which I believe is the key here, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Then he gives a philosophy here. The light of the body is the eye. And if therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thy eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. People just don't get it. And then he says, no man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. 
Father, I pray that you'll help us to get it this morning. Lord, I, uh, I feel so burdened about how to present this message that you will take charge and that you will speak to us. I realize that, Lord, what I say is nothing, but what you say to our hearts through the Word of God and through the Holy Spirit is everything. Lord, there might be some folks here that don't have the right relationship with you. Maybe that relationship has never started because they've never been born again. Or maybe there's some here that just have not the love developed in them and that appreciation in them for what you've done for them. I pray that, Lord, these things might grow in our lives and that we might come to that assurance of our salvation and that understand why we're here and what we can do with the treasures that you give to us. So I pray that you'll work in a very great way. And I pray for that divine anointment in helping us, saying what needs to be said the way it needs to be said, and helping us to get it for all of us this morning. Help us to gain insight into the Scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. First thing I want to talk about is the treasured philosophy. So I'm not going to just talk about our treasures and what are those treasures. And where are those treasures? And what are we doing with those treasures? What do we value? But I want to start off with a treasured philosophy. And then we're going to talk about treasures passing. And then we're going to talk about treasures lasting. How's that sound? But I think we have to start off with a treasured philosophy. And the reason I say it's a treasured philosophy, because if you and I get it, it's a treasure. It is a treasure when we understand why we are here. Someone approached me this morning and they said, you know, sometimes I wonder why I'm here. You know, if you don't understand why you're here and why what life's all about, you're going to miss life. It is important to understand that God came to this world to save our souls, to give us eternal life. And by being rescuing us from damnation, we have a purpose worth living for. Amen to that. We've got to get the right philosophy. And I dare say that most of us in this room could have our philosophy corrected this morning. Most of us need to look inside and discover where are those things that have come in, the worldly views, which is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Where have those things come in and got us off course? And so to come back to the right views, to come back to the right values. Uh, We are uh, studying in our young preachers uh, group um, this win-win philosophy. And as we talked about it this past Monday, that it's hard to win-win if you don't know what really a win is. If you don't know what you value, what you view, what is really the the value of, of why we're doing what we're doing, we won't really understand a win situation. And so living in view of eternity, we all know we're going to die someday. Is that not correct? We're going to spend eternity somewhere. In this passage of Scripture, he gives us three imperatives. He tells us to lay up. And then in the next time we study it, he'll tell us not to be anxious. And then he'll, he'll tell us, command us, to seek first the kingdom of God. These are the three imperatives that lay in this, this aspect. In these three paragraphs, or excuse me, in these, yeah, I think there are three paragraphs here. There might be a couple more. But in these three imperatives that he gives to us, he gives us basically don't lay up. But then he gives us some instructions upon it, why we shouldn't do this. 
I believe this is a good principle of teaching our children where we tell them, do this or don't do this, but then to give them the moral reason why of things. If you notice these scriptures here, he's going to give you much background, many aspects of why we should and shouldn't be doing these. The principles behind the command. He actually spends longer in that discourse than on the imperatives. So it's good for our kids. Now, as we get into these treasures, we think of uh, monetary aspects of things. And truly, that can be where our treasures are. But treasures can be in possessions. It can be in families. It can be in, in what we value in our lives. And so you can ask yourself what you value. As we talk about the possibility of this being in our finances, that's only one aspect of it. It can be our time. It can be our treasures. It can be our talents. And you've heard that. The Lord speaks often about finances in the Scriptures. Often the Bible refers to this. And just in in the Gospels, the Lord talks about these things. Let me just read you some verses here. He says, One thing you lack, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. And come and follow me. Mark 10, 21. And Luke 6.20, it says, Blessed are the poor, uh, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Woe to you rich, uh, for you have received your consolation. Uh, In Luke 14.33, it says, Whosoever does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciples. In Luke 18.25, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. In Luke 12, 15, it says a person's life does not consist in his possessions that he has. In Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. In Luke 12, 33, it says, sell your possessions and give alms. Provide yourself with purses in heaven. In Luke 19, 8 through 9, Zacchaeus said to the Lord, behold, the Lord The half of my goods I give to the poor. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to his house. In Matthew 13, 44, The kingdom of heaven is like treasures hidden in a field, which a man found and covers up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. In Luke 21, 1, Jesus saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins, and he said, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. And then Luke 12, 20 and 21, But God said to the the man uh, that built his bigger barns, You fool! This night your soul is required of you. The things you have prepared, those will they, uh, they be. Uh, whose will they be? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. In Luke 9, 5 through uh, 58, it says, Foxes have holes and birds of the earth have nests, but the Son of Man have nowhere to lie his head. You'll find that in the scriptures, Jesus refers to these treasures. In fact, someone has said that 15% of what the Lord Jesus Christ referred to is about the treasures that we have. And bottom line, it comes, are we living in this world? Are we living in the heavenlies? What brings satisfaction? What brings contentment to us? And there's such warnings in there about those who are trusting in their riches and how that they're putting that as the primo of their lives rather than trusting in the Lord. They say that only 12% of evangelical Christians tithe today. 
Now, people say, oh, tithing is under the law. Well, can I just say this, that tithing took place before the law? If you were to go into Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, he says, Woe unto you, uh, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, ye pay the tithe of the mint and the mice and cummins and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgments, mercy, and faith. These ought you have done and not to leave the other undone. Even here in this passage of scriptures, the Lord doesn't do away with the tithe. But I want to say this. I personally believe that the tithe was the minimum of the Old Testament. The minimum. Would you not agree? The minimum. He talks about tithes and offerings. So today, are we under the tithe? Should we give the tithe, which the word tithe means what? Tenth. You know, I personally believe, as I refer to that first scripture in Galatians chapter 5, don't let your liberty be just for yourselves, but let your liberty be used for serving one another in love. And here he's talking about this as an aspect of here. And we can get caught up in the tithes and and whether I'm tithing or not tithing and everything. I, I personally believe that's a good place to start, but I sure wouldn't stop there. I personally believe that we need to be spirit-led in our giving. Did you hear what I just said? We need to ask God what we should be doing as born-again believers. And I'm not talking about just giving in church. I'm talking about in every aspect of our lives. But yet people today get caught up and, and they, they get into this and, 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 and uh, in, in this ministry. I want, a verse that I read this morning in the scriptures, I want you to turn there if you would. And that's Psalm 107. I've really been enjoying my uh, reading through the Psalms. Before we read this, I, I do say this about the tithe. The tithe is brought out in the Gospels. It was brought out before the law. The first person that paid tithes is Abraham. We see it as a part of the Old Testament system and tithes and offerings. And oftentimes it was not finances. It was tithing animals and crops and, and things like that. And offerings were bringing sacrifices and those kinds of things in their religious uh, aspects. And truly, they got caught up in the religion rather than a relationship. And sometimes we can think that we're doing what God wants us to do because we're doing certain things. Personally, I believe that everything I have belongs to God. How about you? God doesn't own the tithe. God owes 100% of me. And if he asks me to do something, I need to do it because he's my Lord, right or wrong. And so I ask you to be obedient. I, I'm concerned if only 12%, and I don't know what people give uh, here uh, at, at Westside Baptist Church. I have chosen as a pastor not to know what people give. Sometimes I can tell uh, in their lives what's going on in their lives and and all because of the attitudes that people will have in their relationships and things like that. But here in this portion of scriptures, notice what it says in verse. I'm going to read one through ten. And as I was thinking about this. And, and somehow our concept is, well, I got to I got to do this and I got to do that. We've been talking on Wednesday night. I get to do this. I, I get the privilege of these things. It, can I just say this? If if your heart is not in what you're doing, it just becomes wood, hay and stubble. How about we honor the Lord with our substance? Honoring the Lord with our substance is uh not having a bad attitude, would you agree? 
I don't honor the Lord with my substance, the first fruits of my increase, by having a bad attitude, wondering how I'm going to live on 90%. We have a God who's able to take care of us. And if he asks us to do something, he's big enough to take care of us. I personally believe that one of the struggles that will come to a person's life who's not trusting in the Lord and giving to the Lord as he ought to give is anxiety. I personally believe that. He says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hands of the enemy. Number two. I read this in a different translation this morning. And as I was reading it, it just it just really hit me. Do you know what it's talking about there in verse 2? What's, what's, it, what's, it, what's it talking about? What's that? Well, it's our praise. But when it says those who were redeemed, what does that mean? They, they, were, they were set free... It, it's the idea, if you, we talk about redemption to us, it's, it's the idea when, when we're redeemed today, it means that we are bought out of the slave market, right? And so here, Israel is saying, oh, 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 give thanks. We have been delivered. We have been brought out of the slavery that we were in with our enemies. Now they're giving thanks and they're giving praise because they have been delivered. If you were uh, one of the slaves in Egypt, having to make those bricks, having your back whipped, and then God says, hey, come on, Laura, let's get out of here. I'm kind of purchase you and you're no longer going to be under the slavery. You're no longer going to be in those shackles. You're going to be delivered. Wouldn't that be a great day? And wouldn't there be continued thanks and praise? Listen, folks, don't ever lose sight that we have been redeemed out of the slave market of sin and we have been set free by Jesus Christ and we're going to heaven. I would encourage you to read this passage when you get home out of a different translation if you'd like. But here he says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Man, we ought to be proclaiming and like like George said this morning, man, we ought to be telling people and witnessing to others. We have been set free from the bondage of sin, the penalty of sin, the power of sin. And someday we'll be delivered from the presence of sin. And gathered them out of the land of the east. Talking about the idea of Egypt there. And from the west and from the north and from the south. Man, they have been delivered. Uh, notice, uh, uh, they, wandered in, they wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hunger and thirsty, their souls fainted in them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and delivered them out of their distresses. And He led them forth by the right Way that they might go to a city of inhabitants. Talking about here many of the stories of the Old Testament referring to us in the New Testament in the idea of our picture of our salvation. Verse 8, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He satisfies the longing soul. He fills the hungry soul with goodness. 
such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in the afflictions and iron. Do you know what verse 10 is the picture of? And the, the psalmist is getting this wonderful picture of, of, a, of a slave having his shackles on him. The idea of the irons there. And he's, the irons are, are broken off. He has been set free. And then he is sustained through his life by the grace and the mercy of God. Wow. Wow. So when I think of a tenth, what gratitude if I have to do it as an obligation? God wants our hearts. Would you not agree? He wants us to have joy in our lives as we give. And so uh, understanding this, uh, God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and soul and spirit, which are God's. Why are we not praising Him and living our lives in, with our heart of gratitude? Oh, there is great joy, if I can say this, in having the right philosophy of life. God owns all of me. Second Corinthians 8, 2, they got it. These are the churches in Macedonia. It says now... That in a great trial of affliction and the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty. Listen, these folks were poor. But they had such joy in their heart that it abounded unto the riches of their liberality. And Paul is referring to this group of people as an example that they gave of themselves and they gave to others. They had liberality. In their soul. Second Corinthians 9, 7. Every man according as he purposes in his heart. So let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. Amen to that? We know these verses, don't we? Uh, you know what? And listen, if we can get away from this word tithe. And get it into being spirit led. And letting God control our time and everything about us. I'm telling you what, when you come to the cheer of ser- cheerfulness of serving the Lord, what a joy it is. By the way, that word cheerful, what does it mean? What's the Greek word that it comes from? Hilarious. <laughs> Rather than a funeral. Proverbs 14. In verse 21, it says, He that despises his neighbor sinneth, but he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. You know a lot of verses here talk about helping out the needs of others. He that hath a bountiful eye shall be what? What's the word blessed mean? Happy. For he giveth of his bread... To the poor. I have showed all you all things. How that so laboring. You ought to support the weak. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he said. It is more blessed to give. Than to receive. See this is a philosophy. This is a philosophy. First Timothy 6.9. 
Kind of a bad philosophy here. They that will be rich fall into temptation and snares and to many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. So this philosophy 100% belongs to God and I am to be spirit-led. And there in verse 21, back in Matthew chapter 6, it says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the philosophy of our life, which is how we walk, how we live our life, will show up in where our heart is. And then he says that this philosophy ought to be like the light in the body. And if that that light be, if the eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Man, that one singleness, living for the Lord, loving the Lord, doing what I do for God. There's going to be light in my soul. He's going to give insight. He says, but your eye be evil. The idea there, seeing double. Seeing double. Thy whole body shall be full of darkness. And if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Again, I think of how many people being double-minded, double-sighted here, become unstable in their lives. Oh, if we can gain ownership of this and on our journey grow closer to what God is setting up here as a wonderful example of the liberty that we have in Christ. Then we go into treasures passing. Treasures passing. The word here, he says, lay not up for yourself treasures. The idea is don't treasure up your treasures. In other words, don't stockpile your treasures. And uh, there's uh, uh, an interesting little comment. I'm not sure who I got this from, but it was talking about Mr. and Mrs. Things. Mr. and Mrs. Things are a very pleasant and successful couple. At least that's the verdict of most people who tend to measure success with a thingometer. And when the thingometer is put to work uh, in the life of Mr. and Mrs. Things, the results uh, is startling. There he is, sitting down on a luxurious and very expensive thing, almost hidden by a large number of other things. Uh, Things to sit on, things to sit at, things to cook on, things to eat uh, from, uh, all shining anew. Things, things, things. Things to clean with, things to wash with, things to clean and things to wash, things to amuse, things to give pleasure, things to watch and things to play. Things for the long, hot summer, things for the short, cold winter. Things for the big things in which they live, things for the garden, things for the lounge, Things for the kitchen, things for the bedroom, things on four wheels, things on two wheels, things to put on top of four wheels, things to put behind the four wheels, things to add to the interior of the things on the four wheels, things, things, things. And there is the middle. Here are Mr. and Mrs. Things smiling, pleasing with themselves, thinking of more things to add to their collection, security in a castle of things. Well, Mr. and Mrs. Things, I've got some bad news. What's that? You can hear me. The things are in the way. But then that's the problem with things. Look at that thing standing outside your house. Whatever it value to the second-hand thing dealer, it means a lot to you. But then an error in judgment, a temporary loss of concentration, and that thing can be a mess a mangled metal be, being towed off to the junkyard. 
And what about all those things in your house? Are they any more secure? Yes, time for bed. Put out the cat. Put also, But also, make sure you lock the door. And don't forget the windows. Watch out. There's a thief about. That's the way life goes. Someday when you die, they only put one thing in the box. You. Passing treasures. Now, in saying this, can I just give some concepts here that we need to be very careful about? Because uh, there are some people who practice asceticism. Some people practice these things to gain entrance into heaven. What you do with your things doesn't get you into heaven. Is that correct? What you do with your things makes you obedient to the Lord when He asks you about your things. But let me just bring this out as, as a note. Uh, There's nothing wrong with having things. Is that correct? Okay. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes that he gives us all things to enjoy. So may we remember that. Let me just give you a couple verses here, and I'm going to have to not be able to get to the last point this morning. But wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished. So understand here. That there's a concept about these, these things that is the wrong kind of philosophy that makes it a passing treasure. And that is the word vanity. And you can think about this. I want these things for me, for my comfort, for my enjoyment. But he that getteth and gathereth by labor shall increase. So is there anything wrong with having things based on hard work? Yes or no? No. All right, so let's catch on these things. And God gives us the enjoyment and, and, and just catch these concepts because we, we don't want to get the wrong philosophy with the emphasis of the right philosophy. Does that make sense? Sometimes you can emphasize one thing and you miss the whole picture. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. And the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. You know, there's nothing wrong with leaving an inheritance with your children, all right? So, so when he says treasuring up your treasures, he's not talking about leaving behind that which can be a heritage for your family. You got it? Everybody catching this? I'm trying to bring a balance here so we catch this out. Deuteronomy 8, 18, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is in that day. You know, we understand that we can go out there and say, look at what I have done. That's vain. If I drive or live in those things so that I can impress others. It's, that's one thing I've mentioned. We, we buy things to impress people we don't like with money we don't have. <laughs> That's not the right attitude. In Proverbs 23, 3 and 4, Be not desirous of the dainties, for they are deceitful meat. Labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. You might want to write that verse down and ponder that. Is that a suggestion or is that a command? Hello? These are commands. 
This is talking about my attitude. Because that's what makes them passing treasures. Proverbs 28, 19 says, He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread. But he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. You know, if I were to take the time, and maybe I should take the time, there are concepts being brought out here, and I'd be glad to send you these verses, but they go beyond what we're talking about just here in church. Would you not agree? (laughs) This is talking about our philosophy of life. Why do I do what I do? How do I do what I do? Do I really live for God's glory? Am I working hard? Is there anything wrong with working hard? In fact, God tells us to work hard, doesn't he? In fact, he tells us to work by the sweat of our brow. But here you can find out these quick, rich schemes. By the way, be careful. There's a many of them telemarketer calling you bogusly trying to get what you have. You know, if it sounds too good to be true... It is. You know, this would be a good verse for gambling, would it not be? Following after vain persons, poverty comes. You know, they don't build those casinos out of their own pocketbooks. Romans twelve eleven, Not slothful business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. I personally believe it is a sin. I believe it's a sin not to give God our best in our labors. Right or wrong? We have a mindset that's being developed in our country. And it is a ploy to destroy lives. It's the entitlement mindset. My mindset ought to be God owns 100% of me. He owns 100% of my hands. He owns 100% of my heart. He owns 100% of me. May God help us. 1 Timothy 5.8 But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And we're talking, you know, this started off our philosophy of treasures and our passing uh, treasures. Here, I'm telling you, my friends, there's nothing wrong with working hard and getting things that you can help others with, including your own house. 1 Timothy 6.11 Charge them that are rich in this world that they not be high-minded. We've seen that before, haven't we? Thinking that I've developed these things. That's that's the, the great error of having wealth in our lives is we stop trusting in the Lord. Nor trust in the uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us, notice what it says there, what? Richly all things to enjoy. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, the balance of the scriptures is so amazing. So I'm not telling you go out and sell everything you have and give to the poor. Yet that might be what somebody might be needed to do if that's what God asks you to do. God has a plan for each one of us. And we ought not to set our course based on what other people do. We need to set our course based on what God asks us to do. Trusting Him for our future. Uh, Some people need to put a governor on their spending habits. Did you all hear what I said? Look at this verse. There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling 
of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. You know, one of the things in America today is this instant gratification that is causing them not to prepare for their future in retirement in savings accounts. Foolish man spends it up. God help us to have wisdom in our spending practices, putting a governor on that. And can I just say this? Having more of a passion for advancing the kingdom. And that may be where we ought to end this morning. Is is my passion for advancing my comforts in my life or is my passion in advancing the cause of Christ? You know, I... Uh, it troubles me. It troubles me to think that there's people that just don't get it. And if you, my friend, are sitting here and you have Jesus Christ as your Savior and you don't get this, woe to you. But if you would get it and say, God, please forgive me. Help me to put you first. In fact, that's the last command that he gives in this passage. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Do we serve a God who's big enough to take care of us? Yeah. All of my anxieties can be uh, given to him and let him take care of He says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's good enough for me. Sell that you have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags that wax not bags. Excuse me, that wax not old. A treasure in heaven that faileth not, where no thief approaches, neither moth uh, corrupteth. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind, and thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, or they can't pay you back. For thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. Next week or two weeks from now, we'll pick this up about lasting treasures. Do we believe there's a God in heaven who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think? We have a God who, if we would just trust Him, and we would be obedient. There are people who will say, well, I don't believe in the tithe. Well, what do you believe in? Well, I don't believe in giving the missions. Why not? Here we're going into a building project, and God is performing an unbelievable Miracle, Would you not agree? Tuesday. Tuesday. Is the day that the close comes on the sale of the nine acres. And you know, our men had insight over three years ago. Four years ago almost. Almost four years ago. That we invested $10,000 to buy the first right of refusal on that property. And that $10,000 has generated over a million dollars in assets. If we will listen to what God tells us to do. Now, can I just say this? Guess who was opposed to that spending $10,000? Pastor Nathan, who was, who was that that? That fellow that was opposed to spending that ten thousand dollars can't be anybody in here. Thank the Lord. God wants us all to be spirit led. Father, I pray, God help us to get it. 
It breaks my heart, Lord, as we're coming almost to the end of this building project. To invest in that which is going to outlive us. Thank you, Father, for the treasures of those who have caught it. And it is my prayer that others will catch on all to trusting in you in whatever you ask us to do. And while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe there's some folks here who say, God, forgive me. I make my decisions based on me rather than you. Forgive me, Lord. The only person you're hurting is yourself. And I want to encourage you to take that prayer every day. God, lead me. Guide me. I pray on a daily basis. Help me, Lord, to be sensitive to what's going on in other people's lives so that I can come alongside and be a blessing. We're not talking about church. We're talking about 24-7 in your life. Some of you might have tuned me out right at the beginning because, oh, he's talking about giving money. I'm talking about a philosophy of life, living for Jesus Christ. And maybe this morning you're not saved. I encourage you to come to know that Jesus is your Savior. You don't want to miss out on the treasure of heaven. The gift, the eternal gift. And, and by the way, you can't give enough money to get into heaven. The only way into heaven is through that which has been purchased for you. And you accept that gift, that eternal life, the gift of being born again. If you don't have it, why not get it today? Get it today. God gives you eternal life. And you think about that. Eternal life begins when you accept Christ as your Savior and you're going to live for all of eternity. And someday we're going to give an account of our stewardship to Him who has given to us all things to enjoy. And you know what? I can't find any greater joy in my own life than being a blessing to other people rather than hoarding, rather than sitting on my things. Gives us all things to enjoy. Sometimes our joy factor has been tweaked by Hollywood or the department stores rather than the blessings of giving to others. So, Lord, help us now. Father, I just pray that you'll help those that are miserable here, those that, are, that, that make excuses, those that don't get it, help us to get it. I, I believe there are some folks here that their eyes have been opened. One, to the enjoyment of hard work. One, to not being slothful. Lord, you told us not to be slothful. Lord, if we don't get that picture and we just go out and depend on other people to take care of us, then, Lord, we are poor stewards. You've given everyone here talents and treasures and time. How are we using our lives? God, life's going to be over. And we'll leave behind this world. And oh, how real it will be when we stand face to face with you. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, how many times I'm selfish, self-centered, making my decisions based on what I want to do. So, Lord, help us as a congregation. Help us as individuals. And, Lord, 
Whether anybody joins or doesn't join, Lord, help each one to be obedient unto Thee. And Lord, help us to have our ears attentive, listening to what You tell us to do. Thank You, Father, that You speak to us. Thank You that You give us generous impulses of how we can be a blessing to others. Please help us, Lord. My heart breaks because there's so many people that just don't get it and they think they do. In Jesus' name.